Love the control. Love the command. Love the space bar and the hard return. Love the words from East Leeds FM. So you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM. Not in the chapel today. I'm at home, but I'm on Zoom and I'm talking to the writer, creative producer, facilitator, mum, uh, as you have it on your website, Sally. <laughs> Sally Jenkinson. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. I love all those things. What well, if you're at a, if you're at some sort of social occasion where you is perhaps people who are not in your world as it were and somebody says oh what do you do for a living what do you say I usually say I'm a care worker because that's another of my jobs <laughs> and it's the easiest one to describe <laughs> sometimes I might I might take a risk and say I'm a poet but it often leads to sort of strange and awkward conversations so I usually I usually stick with care worker but yeah I've got about 500 jobs yeah and, and that's fascinating it'd be lovely to talk to you about about the different aspects of of your creative life and actually I mean also how being a care worker feeds into your work if it does I don't know but we'll, we'll we can come on to that but you've got a new um collection of, of poems out a pantomime horse Russian doll egg so I love that title uh, perhaps you could say a bit about the collection yeah thanks it's um so it's a it's a pamphlet so I think I think there's 16 or 18 poems or something it's not a it's not a full collection but I do tend to write in pamphlets this is the third pamphlet that I've published with Burning Eye over the last 10 years and it's just part of my creative process I tend to use a pamphlet to sort of explore a little area in quite you know quite a lot of detail this this pamphlet pantomime horse Russian doll egg is um I laugh every time I say the title is um it explores childbirth so mainly my own experience of childbirth but then also interwoven with some other people's stories and some family history and yeah I just after I gave birth I um I couldn't find that much poetry about birth and you know poetry is what I've always turned to to kind of uh, contextualize and explore big life experiences and I just couldn't find very much and the, when I did more research it turned out there's actually loads of birth poetry but it, it hasn't been that celebrated there hasn't been that much of it in the mainstream and um, yeah and I just as I sort of thought about it I sort of started writing my own pieces and they were very personal at first and then slowly slowly over the last two years a bit more of a collection emerged and um I'm really happy with it it's really nice to share the the, the good the bad and the ugly of childbirth <laughs> absolutely did you start writing the poems in in the during the pregnancy or only after yeah only after I um I I was funny actually during my pregnancy I hardly wrote at all and it was this real sense of being in a in a liminal space for me um I wonder if it if it might feel different in a second or third pregnancy but because it was my first one 
Um, and actually, at the risk of being too personal, I'd experienced three or four years of infertility before that. So it felt very precarious and very kind of like, mm. and so I didn't I hardly wrote anything at all because it was I was in such a strange, yeah, like I say, like a liminal um, sort of hinterland. It didn't feel like I could almost go there with much creative stuff. So it was a bit of a barren time for me. But then also you're creating something else you know you're growing a human so I just let I just let it slide I was like do you know what this is not a this isn't a creative time and then after my daughter was born despite the kind of sleeplessness and the exhaustion these poems kind of slowly started to take shape um and it wasn't easy finding time to properly work on them and write them but it was all it was it felt very inevitable I was like I kind of have to write these to process this um experience so yeah it was it was a dry spell followed by a, a deluge as it were would be lovely to hear some poems from the collection so I mean if you wouldn't mind giving us one now Sally yeah I'd love to actually um uh, it feels uh this feels like a, a perhaps a good one to share because it um it's a golden shovel, which, as I'm sure most people are aware, takes um, a line from another poem or song in this instance. And the poem is created by the end word on each line being from this, this other line of poetry or song. Um, and uh, I wrote this using a line from the song Believer by the Monkeys, which I've, you know, it's a song we all know. It never really struck me. It was a, you know, a kind of generic pop song. I never loved it in particular, but this line, then I saw her face, now I'm a believer. It just really um, spoke to me about that experience of, of labor and birth and this long period of not being entirely sure what's going to happen or why you're doing this or why you're at why you're experiencing so much hardship and then suddenly there's a person <laughs> so yeah that was the line that I started with and this poem is called um golden shovel for my baby and me splayed under bright lights I hand myself over then I'm only a portal only an exit I wanted to be active pious feral and alone I saw a woman on the internet do this with just low, sweet moans. Her baby's first sight was not the stern face of a doctor. I'm deadened from the waist down, and now they are slicing and cleaving, and I'm the meat. I push and push, but I'm just the butcher's table, just a mum. Heretic, convert, devotee, believer. You unfold all tentacles. My darling octopus, you are not the enemy. I forgot what I was doing this for. We are a balloon rising up and up. All eyes trace our ascent into the big blue everything. You are made of me, but now you are yourself. You are the absence of doubt. Slicked with life, a soft heap on my chest definite. We are in the familiar part of the movie. The crowd goes wild. My body derelict. The theatre dissolves around us. Neither of us seems to mind. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I enjoyed that very much. I mean, I've I've only been a spectator. <laughs> the birth of our two boys, but uh, some of that I did also. I could recognise, and I was moved by it. Yeah, the whole extraordinary thing of suddenly a face. Yeah, um, and being a believer. Yeah, thank you, Sally. So, just we would. I'd love to hear some more from that collection and. Uh, Pantomime horse, Russian doll. I guess you're containing pantomime horse contains people within it, and uh, Russian doll too. I guess. Yeah, I am. Um, this was the working title for the for the pamphlet, and I fully intended to change it to something more grown up, quote unquote grown up. You know, something more um, professional sounding. And, for, and actually, for a while, I was going to call it partum because we have this idea of like prepartum neonatal prepartum postpartum and we don't often hear that word partum on its own which is like the act um but I just this was the working title because it was one of it was these three images which were when I was so sleep deprived and so I guess you know traumatized and processing these things in early motherhood these were these three images which kept coming back to me which was they were almost comedic and and I often, I'm not a funny person, I'm definitely not a funny poet, but I often have this, this um, something, it's something kind of surrealist or a bit kind of strangely comedic kind of hooks me into an image or a poem somehow. And um, yeah, this pantomime horse is like, you know, it's, it's two, it's one character, but you, you know all along that it's two actors and then suddenly there they are. Um, Russian Doll's a pretty obvious one, but I was really taken with this idea that because I had a daughter, that we are born with all the eggs that we're ever going to have. So, you know, thinking of her giving birth to a daughter and her touch wood, you know, I mean, I don't know, it's up to her whether she chooses to have children or not, but this idea that we're kind of contained within each other, I just found like totally magical. Um, and I've always been obsessed with eggs. I find, you know, I find them so strange that, you know, the, the fact that they're in our kind of culture and our diet and this thing of Easter and um, rebirth and things coming back to life and this kind of cycle, but they're also so innocuous and they're kind of everywhere. Um, yeah, I just, I find eggs really funny. I've had other collections that have, I, I had a collection which I never saw the light of day, which was called Milk and Eggs, which was, that was about 15 years ago. Um, and yeah, it's just always been this concept that I've been obsessed with. So having finally had a chance to crowbar it into the title of a collection is something I'm really pleased about. <laughs> I've just been listening to Bjork's latest album, which came out a few weeks ago, I think. And there's a, a track on it called Uvule, which is all uh, about eggs fantastic Do you know i haven't had a chance to listen to that yet you just reminded me i've got to get a train this afternoon and that's going to be my listening is the new bjork album that's exciting that's great and there's a video of her inside a massive kind of egg shape anyway i thoroughly recommend that but um so sally i mean you you didn't grow up in the forest of dean where you live now you grew up in in doncaster tell us about your early experiences of of poetry exposure to poetry and how you started um, yeah, so, I mean, first thing to mention is obviously, I think you know my dad, um, he's a poet and he also does a lot of community creative work, same as I do, his name is Mick Jenkinson, and um, he really introduced me to, poet from, for, to poetry from a really young age, you know, 
um, we used to have kind of um, spend time um, learning poems by heart, things like when we were very young and now we are six and that kind of thing. And even through my kind of, you know, tweens and teens where you don't always have loads of things to chat to your parents about me and my dad always had poetry as a real thing that connected us so in that sense I've I've always really had poetry as part of my day-to-day -day life but I also I do find um and I suppose I'm sort of rose tinted because I don't live in Yorkshire anymore but I find the sort of vernacular and the colloquial way that people in the north and in Yorkshire in particular relate to each other and express the way we express ourselves and our turn of phrase I find us to be very poetic people I think it's in our I think it's in our nature and our heritage to communicate in a quite a poetic way um, and I'm not that's not to say that's not true of anywhere else in the country but I can only speak of my own you know my own upbringing and my own childhood um, and yeah, I really, you know, often living down here, I'll say something, I'll, I'll use a turn of phrase and somebody will say, what do you mean? And I just, I just think that Yorkshire people have a great way with words. So I, in that sense, I feel like we've always, we're always surrounded by poetry, you know. And it's interesting, yes, the influence of your dad. I was talking to Andrew Macmillan, Ian Macmillan's son. Apparently there's a story about Ian putting... Uh, poetry in Andrew's lunchbox when he went to school Mick didn't go quite that far then with you <laughs> no I don't think he ever made me a lunchbox to be honest <laughs> and that's I shouldn't he, he made lots of wonderful meals and I shouldn't do him down but I don't remember him ever making me a fat lunch if you if you listen to this he might challenge you let's hear another <laughs> let's hear another poem if, if you will from the from the from the uh from the book Oh yeah, thank you. Um, so I'm, I think I'm, I'm definitely, I know I sort of mentioned a little bit of the, um, um, the sort of challenges of the last bit of childbirth in that, in that final poem. And I will say that quite a few of the poems, you know, I did experience some, some trauma and it took me some time to process some of what happened during labor, which is not to say all labors are like that. Um, but some are, and I think it's important to be kind of open and honest about the whole gamut of experience. Um, but I sort of want to avoid them because I think they're to be read in people's own time. I don't want to foist them on people. So um, I'm going to read this one because I wanted to make sure that I did write about the, the beauty and the miraculousness as well as the more challenging aspects. Um, and uh, yeah, this is called Nymphaea which is um, a type of water lily, I'm sure you're aware, but also um, obviously we know what water nymphs are, they're kind of like um, mythical creatures that exist in kind of in and out of water in, in kind of uh, fairy tale and such. And um, yeah, uh, this is about my uh, time in the birth pool and it's, I hope it's nothing scary or visceral. I think it's one of the nicer poems in the collection. We set the birth pool by the books, hoping that this line of poets might, Atwood to Vong, share by some osmosis a little of their ecstasy and grace. I've always loved the lowering down to water, but never more than tonight. Your rabbit heart fast thumping in the wings, waiting for your cue to find your light. 
I call you softly down, my little moon. The stage is set, the lake holds us like lilies as we begin to swim across to shore. I task myself with love, with making space. I thought that it would start to feel like open, but actually it feels a lot like bloom. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Lovely. What was, give us that last line again, Sally. Um, the last couplet is, I thought that I would start to feel like open, but actually it feels a lot like bloom. Mm. Yeah, lovely. Thank you very much. That's from Sally Jenkinson's new pamphlet, Pantomime Horse, Russian Doll, Egg. So, Sally, before we play some music, um, which you've chosen, um, any other kind of mentor figures for you in your poetic life? Yeah, I mean, this experience of writing this collection was quite different for me because I, you know, I lived in, um, I've always lived in quite big cities with big creative communities. I lived in Bristol for a long time and then I lived in Brighton and I lived in Sheffield before that. So these places where you're kind of surrounded by other artists and you go into open mics and sharing things and there's a lot of activity and um and because uh for the last four or five years i've lived here in the forest of dean in gloucestershire um there are other creative people around there's great things happening but there isn't that denseness of um population there isn't like a, a big creative hub going on so I really had to, and I've got children and my life's different than it used to be and I can't be going to things all the time. So I, I had to kind of make myself find those those communities um, to, because I'm, I'm not, I can't write in a vacuum. I'm just not that kind of person, you know, I'm mean, sure some people would love that peace and quiet, but it's just not me. Um, so I did, um, I signed up to an online sort of writing space called Devotion Sunday School, um, which is run by Sophie Robinson and Rose, Rose Heinem Staten, I think she's called, two, two like wonderful poets in their own right. And they run these sessions called Devotion where they sort of offer writing prompts and ideas. And there's a big group of people online and it's very it's not super structured it's very you know people can share or not share it's very casual but it really creates this rich kind of space where you can lose yourself in your writing for an hour or, or, or two on a Sunday morning so that was really helpful for me this time around and um I also um uh, there's a poet called Laurie Bulger who's a good friend of mine but she also creates these wonderful online spaces where she um, just places for people to write different courses with different themes but also open sessions and she ran these breakfast clubs which went through lockdown of course a lot of these poems are written during lockdowns and social distancing and um, yeah the, the breakfast club sessions were great for just getting me going and reminding me that you know there's other people out there writing and I can do the same so it's been different it's been it hasn't been the kind of the wild late night open mics and big chats with other poets but you've got to find your community at each stage of your life you know in a way that suits you haven't you so i'm really grateful for that that online stuff to be honest absolutely and that's grown of course since some um, during and since the pandemic and you know, will survive and because it's the 
often fantastic and very fruitful, as you've said. Yeah. Sally, let's have a piece of music. You, you, you chose two pieces, that uh, one by Elvis and one by the Monkees. Which one do you want to uh, talk about and hear first? Yeah, I'd, I'd really love the Elvis one, actually. I um, Again, another song which I've always heard and which sort of I hadn't necessarily connected with. And then in the opening poem of the book, um, it's uh, it kind of it kind of walks us through the different stages of labour as they're laid out on the NHS website. But then I added my own sort of poetic take on them. And um, uh, in the in the first stage, as they call it in the NHS thing, I talk about um, watching a Jane Fonda film and eating nachos and listening to Elvis in the bath. And one of the songs that came on my um, playlist while I was having a bath in early labour was um uh, I, I don't know, I'm just looking at the quote and then I forgot the name of the, <laughs> the oh. actual song. Can't help falling in love. <laughs> Can't help falling in love. But the the the, the line, of course, is um, take my hand, take my whole life too. And this idea of somebody kind of guiding you through this, you know, taking you by the hand and guiding you through this like enormous unknown was just very moving at that time I'm not I'm not a huge Elvis fan to be honest but I just his his delivery is obviously so tender and vulnerable and in that moment it meant so much to me um and I and then I was listening to it like several times throughout my labor so it was it was kind of a it made it into the collection even though it's not it wasn't previously one of my favorite songs Wise men say Only fools rush in But I can't help Falling in love with you Take my whole life 
that was Elvis can't help falling in love and uh, we're talking to Sally Jenkinson on love the words Sally originally from Doncaster now living in the Forest of Dean um, so um, yeah you talk about you've, you said you're a care worker um, and yeah does that does that perhaps you I don't know how much you want to talk about that Sally and whether it does it, it does um, work itself into your poems at all yeah, I mean, yeah, I have a very complicated working life because I, um, so we provide respite, short break foster care in our home. Um, and some of those young people that come to us are people with additional needs, complex care needs. And I also do some complex care where I go to other people's homes and support them that way. Um, so something that I've always found about care work and foster care is it's, it's a very, very difficult thing um to write about in any meaningful way because you're dealing with other people's lives and other people's um well-being other people's choices you're almost you're almost a catalyst for someone else's life during you know in your role as a carer so it's such a strange thing but I have I have got this thing on the back burner which I've been working on for a lot of years which is um it's a novel which is follows a brother and a sister and the sister is what we might call neurotypical she's non-disabled the brother has what we might call profound learning disabilities and complex care needs um and it sort of follows the two of them as they're going through their teenage years and their lives are starting to and their futures are starting to look quite different and yeah, it's a it's a funny one because I've enjoyed writing it so much and it is taking shape as a novel, but every step of the way I'm questioning, um, am I the right person to be writing this? Who am I to write about um, other people's experiences of disability? I suppose one thing that keeps me ticking along is because I've been a care worker for sort of um, 15, 20 years now, I do... I have noticed a lack of stories about the nature of care and the nature of those very special relationships between uh, people who need care and people who uh, provide care, which of course are kind of allegories for everyone in every walk of life, because sometimes we all need to provide care and sometimes we all need to receive it. So it, but it's very, it's taken me a long time to write it because I always feel like I'm treading this real tight rope of whether it's appropriate or not. And there's nothing in the book which is anything to do with any any of my actual clients or people that I've supported over the years. But of course, it still feels like this isn't my story to tell. So yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. But I do think that um, I think it's a really great story actually I'm really proud of it so one day maybe I'll get the courage to actually show it to somebody well I was going to ask you if you did write in other forms um and I, I noticed on your website that you had written something that you call a kind of poetic novella um 
Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, um, I've written two things which started out as pieces of theatre, so um, they're sort of meant for live performance, but they were in poetic verse, poetic form. Um, and the second one, which is called Like the Water, um, sort of has took its took itself into a almost a novella form and um i've been considering whether that's sort of ready for publication but i also it it was performed maybe three or four times um at various kind of lit fests and then i had a baby and then it was covid so i actually wonder if it might be worth considering looking into some more live performances it's it's just performing live is so off my radar because of how things have gone with having a young family and then covid it just feels like it's been so long but that doesn't mean that that part of my life is over forever i love making theater and i love live performance so it might find its way into the world as a novella or it might find its way into the world as a um as another live performance i just have to figure out one thing at a time <laughs> but yeah that's um that was kind of it was started in poetic verse but then a narrative emerged and and I think it's really interesting to sort of see where things take you rather than just sticking to one format of like this has to be a poem or this has to be a novel because ultimately it's about stories and experiences in whatever form they come out as you know I'm interested in unusual and mixed media formats so We'll see. We'll see where that finds its way into the world. <laughs> yeah, I really agree uh, with you on that one. And I also love different, you know, sort of hybrid mixed up forms too. And things come out. It's as exciting. They come. It is exciting. Absolutely. And they lead to collaborations too, because you think, oh, well, I'm doing this thing, but I, actually I don't do this thing. So I need somebody else to come into it. Yeah, it's, that's it's, the magic. That's where the magic happens. Absolutely. Now, the other thing you, you do, I I noticed was facilitation and uh, one thing that took my uh, notice when I was looking at the website your website was in in on that that part of the website was that you particularly you 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 facilitate creatively with the themes of of loss and grief and also labor and birth and I thought that was fascinating the idea of kind of I mean birth is such a a gain if you like and loss is was seen as a kind of, um, you know, the opposite, I suppose, and, and grief. I mean, that that yeah. Talk about that, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's new to me actually. I um, so the background there is that when I was um eighteen, I um, I lost my brother. I was bereaved of my brother. He was seventeen at the time, so we we're very very close in age, and um. You know, for a long time, I would not, I would struggle to write about him myself, let alone consider holding a space for other people to write about grief. But it was kind of, as time's gone on, and as the saying goes, the, the grief and the pain doesn't necessarily diminish, but we grow around it and we, we grow into containers that are more able to hold this pain whilst also living, hopefully, a, a full and happy life. So I've just felt more capable as time's gone on and as I've grown as a person to try and hold that kind of space for other people. Um, I'm going to be doing some facilitation early next year um, for um, a charity that supports young people who have experiences of grief. And of course, that was me nearly 20 years ago now. So as time's gone on, it kind of feels like... <laughs> not a skill 
like not that being bereaved is a skill but but my experiences might be used to support other people creatively is actually feels like a really special thing um, and it's not something I could do full time because it's very, it's quite intense and takes a lot of um, sort of um, energy and I think it has to be done very carefully but I also think that writing your experiences can be really transformative in helping you to not necessarily process them but carry them and sort of contextualize them so yeah if I can do a bit of that then that feels really special um so yeah it is new to me it's not something that I've got years of experience in but it's I feel ready you know with the right support and the right circumstances um and yeah it's um I'd be I'd be really interested to chat with anyone else who's delivering those kinds of sessions because it's it feels like um a valuable use of creativity to me you know absolutely absolutely um yeah and and uh, yes i do know a few, a few people and actually if anybody's out there and listening to this and they want to contact you actually how did how should people get it into in contact with you sally if they do want to talk to you about any of this or to collect or to buy your book actually yeah well i've got um i'm on all the I, actually i'm not on all the social medias i'm not on facebook at all unfortunately but i am on uh, Twitter and Instagram where there's various links to things and poems up there and as well as pictures of cats and all that nonsense um but I also I've got a new website it's just sallyjenkinson.com and my email address is on there and links to buy the book is on there um so and I think links to my social media is on there as well so that's probably the best place to start is just sallyjenkinson.com but I yeah I love to hear from people that are interested to collaborate people with questions I I love to chat with other creatives so don't be shy if there's anything in this chat that's made you think oh I want to drop her a line about something well, that's a lovely invitation um read us another poem if you would a final one from, from uh, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, let me have a look. Okay. This one's quite short. Um, I'll, I'll show you, Peter, how it's laid out on the page, which doesn't really help the, the listeners, but it's kind of, I did try to be a little bit experimental with layout and form because obviously I was writing about something in this collection, which is not uh structured and doesn't follow yep. <laughs> format to say it's interestingly laid out sort of left right and center uh, yeah and uh yeah um so it's, this is towards the end of the collection and it's called how to birth a great big baby strip lights thinned to bright slits legs gone now voice whisked away Doctors, aliens, husband, satellite, insides, out, myself, tethered by a long ribbon, space walking, stainless steel, stasis, gown, unsound, polyurethane, skin, salt spray, grasping, gutsy, hope, Exploded view, make space for landing. Stand back, please. She needs so much space. 
Mm. There we are. That's my daughter entering the world. <laughs> I think that's very interesting, and that it's, it's really, yeah, I, I enjoyed that poem. I've enjoyed them all, but it, it's it somehow evoked for me the strangeness of the uh, of the place. Really, I mean, have you have you read these poems, or I mean, I'm just wondering how available they are to people. Um, you know, for instance, in postnatal groups, or uh, it'd be fascinating. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I'm trying to give more time to. I suppose this is the thing: is when you're a, a kind of you with a small press and you have other jobs and that kind of thing. Is there isn't an awful lot of time for what we might call PR. Um, so it's on my list. It's on my long list to reach out to you know uh, birth groups, postnatal groups, parenting groups, that kind of thing to sort of see if they would be interested in a reading. Or um, I know there's some great organisations. I found an organisation recently called Mothers on the Mic, which they just do wonderful things with like um promoting the voices of um of uh, artists who are also mothers and that kind of thing but it's just time it's so hard to find the time to reach out to all these people and to also do the research so it is on the list and I do have some great readings lined up actually in the coming months um I'm coming up to Doncaster to read uh in a couple of weeks I think it's November the 8th and um I'm doing some readings around the country um over, I'm trying to do two a month. I think that's about the maximum I can manage with family commitments. Um, so yeah, I really hope that I can get into more of those parenting spaces and spaces where perhaps poetry doesn't usually find as much of a home, but it's just the time is, you know, I haven't got an agent and I have only got two hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean, actually. Uh, but it's, but it's um, yeah, I just think they would be great sort of provocations in a way in the nicest way for for discussion i imagine there would be you know some of those poems that you've read or the the, the three that you've read but some of the poems in the in the pamphlet perhaps all of them would would be great starting points i imagine people would would bubble in terms of conversation yeah i'm really interested to do more to do more writing around birth with other people i think that's me i think i've written everything i need to write about my own experience at the moment but i i'm looking into perhaps here in the forest early next year in delivering some some kind of writing sessions with um young parents because i just think that yeah the, the having that prompt to kind of open pandora's box as it were we've all got a story you know and i would be really interested to see what what comes out of other people what's other people's what do other people's birth poems sound like you know well also i think what what do fathers experience i mean i i did some work in prisons but also with other, another agency called father figures in sheffield around the idea of father's experience being being dads but they they wanted also to write about you know child about being at the birth or not being at the birth or missing the birth you know yeah. this i think it's something that uh yeah that we need to do as as as, as men as well so yeah they're really pivotal moments in dad's lives as well aren't they it's like that's that's certainly some like something that creatively we don't hear much from you know but also it'd be really interesting for men to hear your poems you know yeah yeah I um I've been really sort of careful not to just approach sort of women's groups as it were because I'm like this is like birth is universal like we were all born you know <laughs> exactly um well thanks ever so much Sally you've you've chosen one more piece of music which is by the monkeys and you've referred to it already in this uh conversation so yeah tell us about that 
Yeah, I just, you know, like I say, it's a song we've all heard thousands of times and I don't think I'd really listen to the words. And they're, they're certainly not talking about childbirth in there, you know, intentionally. But I did, one thing that's really nice is, you know, when you do a golden shovel, when you write a golden shovel, it's traditional to write, you know, after so-and-so, whoever the poet is that you've taken the line from. And I thought, can I write after the monkeys? That seems a bit weird. And then I found out that the song was written by Neil Diamond. <laughs> so it says after Neil Diamond, which again, you know, like I say, I don't write funny poems, but that that little touch of absurd humour always kind of keeps me keeps me going. And um, I just thought it was really funny to have after Neil Diamond. So. Yeah, it's just, you know, and it's also a really sweet song to sing to babies. When you're exhausted in early parenthood, you need those easy songs that you know all the words to. So it became one of those kind of early nursery rhymes. Um, and it's it's found a sort of a new a new meaning for me that I didn't really, I hadn't, you know, it wasn't a favourite song of mine before, but that's, that's the madness of motherhood. <laughs> well, thanks very much for talking to us, Sally. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is really nice. I thought love was only true in fairy tales, and for someone else, but not for me. Our love was out to get me. And that's the way it seemed. Disappointment haunted all my dreams. Then I saw her face Now I'm a believer Not a trace Of doubt in my mind I'm in love I'm a believer I couldn't leave her if I tried I thought love was more or less A given thing Seems the more I gave What's the use in trying when all you get is pain? When I needed sunshine, I got rain. Oh, then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer, not a Saw her face Now I'm a believer Not a trace Of doubt in my mind I'm in love I'm a believer I couldn't leave her if I tried Yes, I saw her face Now I'm a believer
Love the haiku. Love the sonnet. Love the quatrain and the couplet. Love the words. From East Leeds FM. Thank you.